Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. Today, we're going to see one of those controversial passages where Rahab is going to lie. And then there's some debate as to whether or not this was a godly lie. Is there such a thing as that? Well, we'll look at the passages in James and Hebrews that refer back to this story from the book of Joshua, and you'll see that it never actually condones her lie. So what does it condone? What put Rahab into the hall of faith, aside from being part of the ancestral line that would lead to Jesus? When she lies to protect the spies, she lies, and Exodus is clear. God forbids lying. Titus says that God cannot lie. Maybe you'll rack your brain on that one for a while. Let's look at what the text actually says, both today in Joshua chapter 2, verses 2 through 7, and then we'll cross-reference James 2 and Hebrews eleven thirty-one. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelite men have come here tonight to investigate the land. Then the king of Jericho... All right, so he just sort of he just sort of presided over this town. He's king, but he's not a king of a larger uh, of a larger domain. He's, he presides specifically over the city of Jericho, right on the bank of the Jordan River. Sent word to Rahab and said, "Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, for they came to investigate the entire land." But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. So she said, "Yes, the men did come to me." but I didn't know where they were from. Okay, this right here, these words, if you're watching this on video, uh, remember, by the way, we're going to migrate uh, video devotions over to allies.network. Look for JCM there, beginning October 15th. But if you're looking at this on video, you can see what I've just highlighted, this, the, the, the final phrase of Joshua 2.4. But I didn't know where they were from. That part is the lie. At nightfall, when the city gate was about to close, the men went out, and I don't know where they were going, okay? Here in verse 5, could be argued as another lie, right? Chase after them quickly, and you can catch up with them, right? Now, she didn't intend this. She didn't actually mean this. She wanted them to get away. So this is also dishonest of her. She's feigning loyalty to the king of Jericho when she's actually just committed high treason. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them among the stalks of flax she had arranged on the roof. Uh, these were about three feet long. These stalks of flax were about three feet long. They're soaked in water, used to produce things, and then laid out in the sun to dry. And so you put a bunch of these together, and she's made a place to hide uh, the Israelite spies. Verse 7 the men pursued them along the road to the fords of the Jordan, and as soon as they left to pursue them, the city gate was shut. All right, so this verse 7 reveals the purpose of the ruse. Uh, it sends the pursuers off, and, and now the spies are free, to, uh, are, are free to do what they came to do. So this woman, Rahab, she is a prostitute. Right? She's already leading a lifestyle that indicates that she's not in surrender to the lordship of, of Yahweh. She's not adhering to the law of Moses. But she knows these are the people of God. They serve the one true God. The gods that I've been serving are not the real gods. I need to be on the side of the one true God, the God who wins. This is a Gentile conversion in the Old Testament. We saw this in the book of Ruth when she said, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. She is abandoning her former faith. And now she's adhering to the one true faith. This is also a pivotal point at which the ethnic 
composition of the people of God begins to dilute in a good way to the glory of God. Now Gentiles are being saved in the Old Testament. It doesn't stand alone. Ruth and Rahab are not the only Gentiles who are saved. There's an entire massive revival, one of the biggest revivals in the history of the world. Roughly 400,000 Gentiles all become worshipers of Yahweh in the Old Testament through the ministry of the lamest of all the prophets, Jonah, the city of Nineveh, in mass repentance, comes before Yahweh. So let's talk about Rahab's lie. It's right here in, uh, it's right here in verse four, predominantly. She tells another fib here in verse five. She says, and I don't know where they were going. She actually knows that they're going to hide under the stalks of flax that I have up under my roof. And then after that, they're going to go back to their people uh, who are outside the city gate. She, she knows ultimately where they're going. So this is, this is sort of a fib. And then she feigns loyalty in this and the the rest of verse five this has given rise to, to some debate because we see rahab get these holy spirit inspired accolades in the new testament where she's considered righteous for what she's just done but observe with me the text never affirms her lying it does affirm her treason all right look at james chapter 2 verses 20 through 26. Senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works in offering Isaac his son on the altar? And by the way, for those of you who have not yet read Genesis 22, he does not kill Isaac on the altar. Rather, it's a foreshadowing of Christ on the cross. You see that faith was active together with his works, and by works, faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled. It says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Okay, this is a pivotal teaching, a different devotion for a different day. But it's true. Because you have faith, you're going to also act it out. And if there's no action that accompanies your faith, your faith is useless. So it's not that we are saved by the things that we do. Rather, we do things that saved people do because we're saved. Our works are symptomatic of our faith. We're not saved by works. We do works because we've been saved. And if you profess faith in Christ, but there's no repentance from sin, there's no fruit of the Holy Spirit, there's no evangelism, there's no love, there's none of that, you're not really saved. See, First John, see the book of Romans. Verse 25 of James 2, in the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So James 2.25 is where we see uh, the second of the two, canonically speaking, shout outs to Rahab, and it does not actually justify her lie. The wording is in the same way referring back to Abraham, wasn't Rahab also justified by works in, and what the word actually says is, receiving the messengers, not lying, and sending them out by a different route. Again, it's not the lie. It's not the lie. There's more. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, the hall of faith. By faith, Rahab the prostitute welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. So again, Hebrews 11.31 does not condone her lie. Rather, 
it condones the fact and celebrates the fact that she welcomed the spies in peace. And as a result, she did not perish with the rest of the city of Jericho, who, spoiler, if you've never studied the book of Joshua before, the whole city's going down um, and its, its walls are going to fall from the inside out. Um, archaeologically, this is confirmed, too, by what we see uh, in, in Jericho today. So it's not Rahab's lie. This brings up the speculation, was there something else that she could have done when in Joshua chapter two, when she's confronted, she starts off speaking the truth. Yes, the men did come to me. Okay. If she were to stop right there, what would have happened? Anything beyond that is speculative, but it stands to reason that God could have miraculously delivered her. Again, though, this is not in the word. This is speculative. What we do know is that she lies. There's forgiveness in God for this lie. She didn't need to go beyond this. Her faith is brand new. She's been a, she's been a, a worshiper of Yahweh for like <laughs> this much time at this point, you know? Uh, but if she had stopped right here, then there wouldn't be this, you know, this speculation around Rahab uh, that we don't, you know, we don't see in scripture. We read into scripture. Uh, but what we do see in scripture is that she clearly does lie right here. And there's nothing in the New Testament that condones that lie. So it stands to reason it's plausible. Had she not lied, she would have been delivered anyway. Now, what we love about Rahab and the reason that Rahab gets the shout out is that this took guts. This was defiant. This was treason to have housed spies for the wrong, for the wrong team, for the, this, divinely empowered nation at the city gate, man, this took guts. We know that the city could have been saved because Rahab and her family were saved. We know that the city could have been saved because they could have, right along with Rahab, they could have worshiped Yahweh and been spared. It would have saved a whole lot of mess to clean up with those city walls. Although archaeologically speaking, it doesn't look like they did clean it up. So this was an act of defiance. This was bold. This was audacious. This was courageous. This was defiant in the most godly sense. And I wonder how many of us are being called, like Rahab, to defy the status quo. Like we talked about on Sunday, we need those visionary rogues who defy the status quo, stepping out in risk and faith to... Do what God's calling you to do. If Even if it gets you in trouble with HR, even if it gets you in trouble on Facebook, even if it gets you in trouble with your in-laws, if it gets you in trouble with your neighbors, man, look to Rahab and how God looked after her and how her faith is rewarded in the long run. Defy, defy, defy the godless status quo and risk much. We still do this today. We do this today, right now, somewhere out there, there's an organization smuggling Bibles into a country that outlaws the Bible to the glory of God. Go back and look at our series in Matthew for more on this. The Great Commission is given with all the authority of heaven and earth, and so to the glory of God. I've been a part of teams that have smuggled Bibles through airport security that just miraculously shut down at the person in front of me. <laughs> and then... My team and I, you know, right behind me are, are four more suitcases full of hundreds and hundreds of Bibles in a language that a certain government that will not go named on the air, uh, on the internet, uh, 
rules that you should be detained if you bring this Bible into this country. And, and that's, that's, that's mild compared to some of the things that my bride has done. So it, it, what we honor in Rahab biblically is her defiance of a godless status quo, her treason against a pagan law. And so it's not the lie that she tells. I would argue that it was not necessary. God could have miraculously protected her and her family regardless. But what she did is what is extolled. And what you do in defiance of a godless and pagan status quo, that too is God honoring. There will come a day when preaching the Bible would be outlawed, when standing by scripture will be outlawed. There could come a day, Dr. Al Mohler speculates, when just using proper gender terminology could land you in jail. It happened in our neighbors to the north. And on that day, I pray that you would join us in jail. We'll have worship there. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow.